Sakuna Show. Hi, I'm Bob Davenport, and you're listening to Radio 8-Ball with my man, Andras Jones. Welcome to Radio 8-Ball. Give us a shake. We are here in your ear. Tempting fate. Wherever you are, questions put to song. Randomly, with the help of our friends, synchronicity. Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I am your host, Andras Jones, and today, for this episode, we are tributing the great Joni Mitchell, using her music as the oracle fodder for our musical divinations, performed by some really great musicians, and you'll be hearing them throughout the show. And we're having some questions from some illustrious guests, people who have maybe have some particular insight into the music and the history of Joni Mitchell. And we had to ask back one of our favorite Wild Honeys. He was uh, on the show just a few episodes back talking about the history of Wild Honey. And we're going to welcome him back to the realm of the Pop Oracle David Jenkins. Welcome back, David. Well, thank you very much, Andras. That was one of our most popular episodes. People love listening <laughs> to you talk about Wild Honey, and I think you should make a documentary because there's <laughs> 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 a lot of well, great stories there. We certainly have had an interesting run over the last couple of decades, and it's really largely due to some of the people that have been part of the story for that amount of time, and also some of our friends that have joined on in the last couple of years. You've got a couple of them on uh, your show tonight, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And since so. this is a Joni Mitchell-themed episode, I, uh, I I wanted to. I'm asking everyone, what's what is it? What brought you to Joni? What is you know? What is is there any particular experience that you have had with her or her music that you feel like is foundational to you in some way? Well, there's a couple actually. Um, I suppose like a lot of people that grew up with uh, either older siblings or hip parents that had a cool record collection. My mom had a couple of her albums and would play them when I was a kid, and I, you know, noticed songs here and there. I was a big fan of uh, of a Big Yellow Taxi when I was a little kid, and always liked when that one would come up, either you know, on the turntable at home, or it would be played in the car when my mom would drive me somewhere. And then once I got older and started buying my own records, I discovered some of her other music, and um, actually. Uh, Probably, even though it's not necessarily considered her most popular period, 
actually, when I was a teenager, I was buying her records as they were coming out new, which would be like Wild Things Run Fast and Dog Eat Dog. Kind of her early to mid 80s stuff was uh, actually stuff that I really enjoyed at the time and I still do, even though it's a big departure from her earlier record making. And I was also quite into the period of time where she was using, you know, Chocolate Pistorius, Hapathini, and guys like that on her records. I quite remember watching repeatedly the uh, Shadows and Light uh, video that my friend had uh, back when. And then, um, I suppose on a more personal level, uh, oddly enough, I ended up meeting her in 1989. Uh, some friends of mine were hired to play a party thrown by some of the original crew from the Woodstock uh, film. Uh, not from the concert per se, but some of the folks that worked on the filming of it. They had a 20-year reunion, and uh, my friends had a band called Dread Templar, which for those of you who don't know, was a band fronted by an Elvis impersonator, where they made uh, Led Zeppelin music in a reggae style with uh, Elvis vocals. And if you're wondering how this leads to Joni Mitchell, well, all I can tell you is that they were hired to play this gig, and I think one of the guys that hired them said, we'd really like it if you guys would work up a version of Woodstock, which they did. And I don't think the band knew that Joni Mitchell had been invited by some of the crew guys that knew her to come, but she actually showed up, and I had the pleasure of meeting her and chatting with her a bit, and then we both stood together while she sat in the audience and watched Dred Zeppelin play a great version of Woodstock with an impromptu rap by Tortellus talking about how he couldn't make it to the original show and so he asked Joni to write about it for him and that's how the song turned out and she totally loved it she was cracking up and she was dancing and she seemed to be having a great time and it was a great way to meet her because it, it was certainly a totally relaxed casual environment it wasn't like going up to somebody at a concert or after someone's show and, trying to get an introduction we just happened to be standing next to each other so that was definitely a, a pretty cool moment and uh you know i've been a fan of hers all throughout her career um and i think she's one of the artists that it's hard to pinpoint what it is about her that i like so much but i'm equally drawn to her words and her melodies as i am to you know the musicians she's worked with the way that she's gotten people to sort of do what she wants you know, I've heard a lot of stories about how she works with musicians and how she communicates things to them. And I'm always fascinated about how she's able to draw things out of people from different idioms and different disciplines. She's never been just a folk person or a pop person or a jazz person or a rock person. You know, that's really pretty amazing to me that she's always had all that stuff going on at the same time. Um, yeah, just, I mean, in generally speaking, her... You know, her ability to move between different genres, sometimes even in the same album or even in the same song, has always been of interest to me. And the way that she works with a very high caliber of musicians, you know, generally, but always draws the best out of them and manages to make it work for whatever she's doing. I've always been impressed by that. I have to say, I've been really excited by how much enthusiasm there has been for doing her music. Because I've always been sort of... She's always been there, but I have never done the deep dive on Joni Mitchell. And just getting to be surrounded by all these musicians who are going deep on her, like I go on maybe like, I don't know, like The Kinks or Harry Nilsson or something like that. It's been just a blast. Right. Well, you know, I think, I, think, I think one of the things about her that I was thinking about in preparation for this show 
was just, you know, she is from a generation of musicians that doesn't, that, you know, I don't think there's ever been a moment in her career where she's done something because she was supposed to or because somebody talked her into it as much as she's embraced different things. There's actually a great um, cover that she did of a James Brown song called How Do You Stop? And I'm not sure where she heard his version from because it was like kind of in an 80s period for James Brown where it maybe cropped on a, on a record or maybe it was in a, uh, a movie or something. And the only other person that I've ever heard talk about that song was Todd Rundgren. Um, and he played it on a radio show that he used to have. But her version, I can't remember which album it's on at the moment, but it's really cool. And I think it just goes to show that artists are always listening to each other and are always checking out each other, but not in the ways that we think. You know, the, the obvious thing for some people is to do a certain song or to do something by somebody else. And really, the whole thing with her is that she's always done it her way and marched to her own beat. And that's what people love about her. And I think that's what's drawn certain musicians to her and drawn, you know, certain people to her music. But it's one of the hallmarks of her, her approach, you know. Well, with that in mind, do you have a, some sort of Joni-themed Joni or inspired question for the Pop Oracle? Um, I suppose I'd like to ask the Pop Oracle if people think of her... If, if people have a definition of hers, or like, is there a signature song or signature record of hers that jumps to mind for people in terms of when they, you know, when they think of her, it's like, oh, they immediately come up with some album. And I'm only asking because I can't really think of one particular one myself. I think there's too many for me. Pop uh, Michael, what is the song that defines Joni Mitchell? What is the song that defines Joni Mitchell? And now, to engage the pop oracle, I'm going to spin the Wheel of Eight. Na, 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 Wheel of Eight. And that is song number five, which is... Woodstock, which is going to be performed by Carla Olson. And that might be a perfect answer to your question, David. So hold on a second. All right. Okay. All right. To the inner sanctum. Child of God, he was walking along the road, and I asked him, Tell me where are you going in this? He told me, I'm going down to Yazgur's farm, gonna join in a rock and roll band. I'm gonna camp out on the land and get my soul free. We are stars. Back to the garden 
beside you I have come here to lose a smog And I feel like to be a cog in something turning Maybe it's the time of the year Oh, maybe it's the time of man I don't know who I am But you know life is for loving We are rendition of Woodstock by Carla Olson with Sid Straw and Gabriel Gordon and Fuzby Morse on the flute. They weren't all on the flute. Gabriel was on the electric guitar. Sid Straw was singing harmony and Carla Olson was playing guitar and singing on that. And that, of course, was Woodstock. And that was the answer to David Jenkins' question, what is the song that defines Joni Mitchell? And that's a pretty potent and maybe perfect answer, Carla, what is it that made you gravitate towards that song? What made you choose that song? Well, I guess I guess uh, the difference between Joni's version of it, her written version of it, and where Crosby, Seals, Nash & Young took it was from being um, what Joni would con- have considered had she been there <laughs> at Woodstock, what was going on? And that was translated from what Nash told her happened. So the song was written, obviously, she would love to have been there, 
but she wasn't able to be there because she was supposed to be on a television show, and they were afraid that she was going to get stuck in Woodstock and not be able to come back to do the television show, which which she was contracted to do. And when I think when Graham Nash heard her lyric, I think it changed his life. Obviously, she changed Graham's life in many ways, but I think she's the was the conscience that Graham sought when he came to America to, you know, get out of stuffy England and broke up the Hollies, practically. I think that that having Joni taught him something that he's carried through the rest of his life, which is his political and sociological conscience. I think Joni is what caused him to see the world in a different way. And that's why I think it defines her music, is defined by her, the, the breadth of her lyric, her, her vision was so far ahead of just about anything that was going on at the time. I mean, Bob Dylan, obviously. But yeah. I, I think that, that, you know, when you, when you read a billion-year-old carbon, I mean, what are we talking about nowadays? We're talking about our carbon imprint. Yeah. And she was talking about it then. Yeah, yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah, powerful. She was an amazing visionary, you know. And, uh, and Fuzby, you know, well, we haven't really introduced you to our audience yet, but you're going to be participating in, a, in a, a lot of the show. And you actually, have you, you've actually performed with Joni? Is that... No, no. I, well, I haven't performed with Joni. I, I know Joni. I've I've lent her my guitar, and I've had great times with her. But I've never actually been in her band. And what do you, before as we what do you think about that? Do you, would you say that that is a defining song for Joni Mitchell? I think it's pretty spectacular that she wrote that song and wasn't even at the event. Yeah, <laughs> that's how great a songwriter she is. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, you know, that wouldn't be. One of the first songs I think of to define her, but she covers the waterfront. You know, she covers such an incredible wide range of stuff that that's one of them. Yeah. So bringing it back to you, David, what did you think about that as sort of do you feel like that is a decent answer? Or do you feel like that's a song that I mean, certainly to, to some people, I would say it's defining. I certainly think it's one of them. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could think of a few others that would be, you know, right up there. Obviously, we all could. But. Yeah, that is a kind of a perfect thing that she managed to capture an event that was so momentous that she was supposed to be at and couldn't and then just ended up hearing about it from her friends. And that's where her strength as a storyteller and someone that can paint a picture comes, you know, comes out very clear where she she gathers this information and she processes it and she puts it through her filter and she puts something back out there, which becomes, you know, a universal message, you know, that's, you know, well, you know, I can't help it. I have to play a little bit of the, the devil's advocate. I do think it's a, I think it's interesting that, I mean, if, if Woodstock was the song that defined Joni Mitchell and it's best known by its version sung by four guys, it's one of the things that I think it's interesting to me about Joni Mitchell is that most of my early experience with Joni Mitchell was arguments with people who were <laughs> so passionate about her that they were angry at me that I didn't know who she was, didn't know her well enough, which is a, it makes it well. makes a person impenetrable a little bit. If you're like, if I don't know you well enough to have a conversation with someone who's into you, then it scares me off. And it right. took me a while to well, find my way. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I suppose that you could also say Devil's Advocate, as you're saying. I mean, another song that really defines her, at least the early part 
of her career would be uh, Both Sides Now, which really came to prominence with Judy Collins' version of it, which is, for many people, their introduction to Joni Mitchell as a writer. Um, and yet, you know, I think that Joni has recorded multiple beautiful versions of that song. There's one very lovely version of it from a few years back that's, you know, from a record of rearranging and re-recording that she did of older work. And uh, it's pretty incredible, you know. So that could be another defining song, too. But Well, but I, no, I but that's... No, it couldn't. We've already... The Pop Oracle has spoken. Well, that's true. <laughs> <And> Woodstock, <laughs> is, <laughs> Woodstock is the defining song. She's got to hang her hat on that one. Well, and I think... Well, there you go. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. Andres and David uh, uh, and Fuzzy will might agree with me that because Woodstock defined our generation, not necessarily all of... every Y'all are a lot younger than some of us are a lot younger, but... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I am the Woodstock generation, and yeah. I lived through that. And I didn't go to Woodstock because it was, you know, I was in Texas for crying yeah. out loud. It took me two days to get out of Texas. Uh, it it defined our generation, and the fact that she could that she took a lyric that yeah. was so impactful, and and four guys. Mm-hmm. Had to cover a woman's song. Thank you very much, yeah, yeah. Uh, because they couldn't find the cojones to write that song like she wrote it. Yes, I mean, you know, let's go. It's the me generation. I mean, this is a woman's the historical woman's month right yeah. now, and and I'm saying that you know I'm that in in all jest because obviously all all of those guys have written great songs. Of course, but, but at the same time, for a woman to write a song like that at that point in time, was quite extraordinary. And also, I guess, the idea that it is much more the, uni- it is much more the universal experience to have not gone to Woodstock and been turned on by the vision of it than to have actually been there and experienced the reality right. of it. And that's probably what she tapped into. She tapped into the dream hmm. rather than I, the reality. If you were there, you probably couldn't have written that song. Yes, like Brian Wilson with the Beach Boys, who never went surfing, yeah. but got millions of people imagining this unbelievable California lifestyle and moving to California for something that he himself never did. It's a little similar to Joni Mitchell writing Woodstock. They're that, that, that brilliant. Uh, that's awesome. Well, 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 David. Thank you for asking such a great question, and well, for focusing, yeah, and for focusing us on the essentials. I love that. Like, what is the well, one? Yeah, you know, that's a that's a big swing question, and <laughs> I feel like we got a really good answer. You know, that's, okay, that's well, pretty I'm awesome. Glad yeah. to glad to have participated, and uh, my best to everybody tonight. And I'll be. Uh, listening for the completed version. Thank you so much. Thanks, yeah. Dave. Thank hey, you. Hey, Dave. All right. See all you guys soon. Bye. Bye. All right. Cool. Thank you so much. Yay! Yay! Don't take them off yet. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher and check out our website and the links provided for info about past and future shows on the Radio 8 blog, our ongoing Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the Pop Oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. I hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. And until next time... I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Show. It's a good show! <laughs> <laughs>